bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk. doing. Oi, what a week. Oh, I hope you've had a good week. I've had a good week, generally. (laughs) Every week should be generally a good week. That's about as much as one can hope for, isn't it? Benny is here. I am here. We are ready. This is a two-session day. That's right. We are recording this episode about bringing to noise, bringing to funk, and then right after that, we are diving straight into this month's edition of the Snub Club, for which we will be discussing the Broadway musical Allegiance. Yes, it's a long day ahead of us. (laughs) It's gonna be a delight. I have energy now. Let's see if I can sustain it over the course of two episodes. Benny! I had a few ideas for this week's opening segment, but then I found a wonderful clip online from a show called... It's a show I've been obsessed with in a weird way for a while now. It's it was it's a clip from a show called Casper the Friendly Musical. I really like reading the phrase Casper the Friendly Musical. I like saying the phrase Casper the Friendly Musical. Casper the Friendly Musical! is a wonderful phrase. If you're feeling stressed or angry about something, I would suggest saying these words out loud. Casper the Friendly Musical. Say that three times with a big inhale and exhale in between each and every instance, and I... Well, I don't know if I can guarantee you'll feel better, but I think you will. (laughs) So this clip I found online is of, you know, hearkening back to last week's subject, Merlin, which starred Cheetah Rivera, Found a clip of Cheetah Rivera singing a song from a touring production of Casper the Friendly Musical. Apparently she played she played this role in just a few cities on the tour, so she thankfully wasn't with it the entire time. I feel I have mixed feelings watching Cheetah Rivera play some sort of I think she's playing a character who is pretending to be some sort of Romani séance psychic uh supernatural she's a she's basically like a ghost communicator a ghost whisperer I guess is the better way to put it and she's singing this song called In the Spirit Now and I want to play a little bit of that it's a very short clip in general but <laughs> there's a big lead up to her singing. She's she's throwing a sash around. She's got a shawl, a scarf, I should say. Got really throwing that around for about 30 seconds. <laughs> Talk about padding. But then she goes into the song. And so, let Benny, can we get that here? The lights are low. The music's steady. Okay, ghosties, quick, get ready. Put your coats on, time to start. Your motor for a quick departure. My neck is stiff, my back's in spasm. 
orgasm, come on down to ectoplasm, brush yourself with all that jazz, we're in the spirit now. Thank you so much, Penny. The best part of the clip is right at the end when the ghosts appear on stage, including little Casper, and they say, I think Casper says something to the effect of, how did we get here? And Cheetah says, I summoned you. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That sounds about right. She also has some lyric in that song where she's like, come on, ghosties, show your faces. (laughs) Ghosties. Don't make Cheetah Rivera. She's a work. She's a workaholic. She's been working her entire life. But that doesn't mean that she wants, needs, or should say the word ghosties. Mm. She was in the original cast of West Side Story. You don't make her say ghosties. Come on, ghosties, show your faces. I know that's not the right lyric, but <laughs> so that's that's our opening segment. That's that's really gonna cleanse our palate for this week as we dive into the show me the show facts. Yes, that's right. Show me the show facts for Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, which was a 1996 nominee of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on April 25th, 1996, at the Ambassador Theater and ran for 1,135 performances. It is currently the 100th longest-running show in Broadway history, according to Wikipedia, sitting between Dear Evan Hansen and the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which, as of this recording, are tied with 1,136 performances, and the play Butterflies Are Free, which ran for 1,128 performances. The Bring Into Noise book was written by Reg E. Gaines, based on an idea by George C. Wolfe and Savion Glover. I realize I pronounced the name as Reg, but it could just as easily be Reg. Actually, I think I'm going to go with that. So I'm sorry again, right from the tip top, gotta say, uh, gotta say it. (laughs) I apologize for any mispronunciations on my part. The music was written by Daryl Walters, Zane Mark, and Anne Duquesne. The lyrics were by Reg E. Gaines, George C. Wolfe, and Anne Duquesne. And the director was George C. Wolfe, who also received a conceived by credit. The musical director was Zane Mark. The choreographer was Savion Glover. The scenic design was by Ricardo Hernandez. The lighting design was by Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower. The sound design was by Dan Moses Schreer. The costume design was by Paul Taswell. And the original Broadway cast included Savion Glover, Vincent Bingham, Jared Crawford, and Duquesne, who is no stranger to musical reviews like Noise, having also starred in It Ain't Nothing But the Blues and Blues in the Night. Not to mention an Earth, Wind, and Fire jukebox show show known as Hot Feet I was completely unaware of until this week. It's an adaptation of the Red Shoes. To continue with the cast list, we have Savion Glover, Dulé Hill, Raymond King, Jimmy Tate, Bakari Wilder, and Jeffrey Wright. Yes, that Jeffrey Wright, as in Angels in America, as in Felix Leiter in the Daniel Craig Bond films, as in Papa in Pixar's The Good Dinosaur. His list of credits rolls straight out the door. He's such a great character actor. I love him. Tony nods. Bring into noise, bring into funk was nominated for Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Reg E. Gaines, Best Original Score, Daryl Walters, Zane Mark, and Duquesne, Reg E. Gaines, and George C. Wolfe, Best Actor in a Musical, Savion Glover, and Best Costume Design, Paul Taswell, and the show won Best Featured Actress in a Musical, and Duquesne, Best Lighting Design, Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower, Eisenhower, I should say, <laughs> left out the end there, and Best Choreography, 
Savion Glover, and Best Direction of a Musical, George C. Wolfe. So nine nominations total, four awards. As a musical review, this is the plot deconstruction, I should say. We, we've just so silkily, not so silkily now that I'm bringing it up, but we are segueing our way into the plot description here. As a musical review, Noise forgoes traditional book scenes and a core cast of characters in favor of a wide-angle view of black history. The show's cold open establishes tone while serving as a showcase for the sounds of 96. But once it ends, we're transported to the 1700s, a time of slave ships carrying human cargo to the Americas. As we move forward through the show's timeline, a theme that reads all too clear is how black people have consistently been used. They have been used as laborers, used as entertainers, and used as targets for white rage. We dip into the lives of panhandlers and poets, singers and swingers, people moving north with hopes of finding work and leading better lives, black men who are routinely lynched for minor or non-existent crimes, and all of this is underscored by the searing, biting, beautifully kinetic energy of tap. What I appreciate about Noise is how much time it dedicates to discussing the craft of tap dancing, the value it has to black artists who hold onto it like a lover or a life raft. What's better than hearing an artist explain why they are passionate about what they do? I would argue not much. I'll dive further into the events and moods the show chooses to explore during our deconstruction of the score. But for now, let's talk about this week's research sources, shall we? Show me the research sources! I've I began by listening to the 1996 original Broadway cast album for Bring It to Noise, which is great, and I cannot recommend it to you enough. It does an excellent job of conveying the show's themes via old-school poetry, modern rap, personal commentary, and a documentary-style recitation of facts, and I wish I could have seen these elements come together to achieve their full effect. You know what else I wish I could experience? Savion Glover's award-winning choreography, obviously, as well as the show's multimedia effects, including projections and video. That said, I never felt I was missing out on something while listening to this OBC album. Quite the contrary. I learned, I leaned, I should say, I leaned into and got lost within the tap soundscape that is showcased here on this recording, and the complex layering of rhythms routinely left me dumbfounded and filled with admiration. When was the last time you felt admiration while listening to a cast album? That's a rare feeling, and I'm going to treasure that for as long as I can. I also watched the 1996 Tony Awards performance. It's been a while since I've been able to watch a Tony Awards performance now that I think about it. We've sort of been stuck in the Phantom Zone for a couple of weeks. So during this performance, we get a combination of the song Drummin' slash Taxi and Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk, which is the show's main theme. I adore Nathan Lane, who introduces the cast of the show. But his introduction here is tone deaf. And painful, you're going to hear it in a second, but I'm just trying to set you up properly. It's the epitome of a white person raising their eyebrows at a show like this and exclaiming, Oh, a hippity-hop-till-you-don't-stop groove-and-bop show. Well, is that special? Let's get, Benny, can we get that clip of Nathan Lane introducing the cast? Prepare yourselves, it's really fucking obnoxious. Our first nominated musical is an explosion of dance and sound that started downtown and has tapped, locked, popped, and hip-topped its way to Broadway. Join Savion Glover and the cast as they try to get a taxi in New York City. Here's a phrase you will never hear the Queen of England say, ladies and gentlemen, bring in the noise, bring in the funk. 
we would never in a million years introduce a show like this in 2019. It's reductive and annoying, and it can frankly eat my ass. Lane Lane also makes a joke about Kathy Lee Gifford employing the cast of The King and I in her sweatshops, but we're not going to bother with that nonsense. We're not going to drop that audio into this episode. Sweatshops and black people on Broadway, prime comedic targets in 1996, apparently. I also watched Anne Duquesne's acceptance speech for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. So this award is presented by B. Arthur, who takes a moment before announcing the winner to define what one can expect to do when cast in a featured role. The point is that the featured part in a musical, you know, a terrific song or two, a couple of great scenes, is often more rewarding to play than the lead. And it's more fun, too. You get a couple of scenes, a song or two at the most, and then for the rest of the night, you're in the wings. The definition tracks until you remember how Anne Duquesne is on stage for 80 to 90% of noise, when she's not playing any number of wildly different characters. She's constantly crooning and belting her heart out, and point of fact, she's the only woman in the show with that level of responsibility. How does that not put her in the running for a lead actress award? Audiences may have come for the tap, but I believe they came back for Duquesne. I'm very, very confident in that statement. Let's get the audio of that speech here. She's so gracious and charming and wonderful. Okay. I just I want the Tony, Tony voters to know that I am most grateful for your recognition of my work. Thank you, George Wolfe, Savion Glover. But I do want to say this, that mom and dad never saw me do this work. And they're in heaven. Now I know smiling down on me. Look what I got. I love it. I love her. So let's talk about the songs. Let's talk about bring in the noise, bring in the funk.
as I mentioned during our plot breakdown, the show's titular number acts, it's the titular number, it acts, I had to throw that in there, could it resist? Could it resist, I do say to myself. (laughs) The number acts as a cold open for the show. We're setting tone here, we're laying the groundwork, making it beyond clear this is A, a dance show, and B, not your granddaddy's dance show. The aesthetic is gloriously and firmly rooted in the mid-90s, and I would not have it any other way. Give me the keyboards, give me the robotic machine drums. I can't get enough of them. Robotic machine drums. That's that's the technical term, right? I totally know what I'm talking about, right? You respect me, I'm smart. If we ever see a revival of noise, and I hope that we do at some point, my hope is that these orchestrations are preserved rather than updated. The whole point of the show is to serve as a time capsule, so I don't think we should be messing with what was considered modern when it premiered in 96. Jonathan, no one's threatening to do anything like that. They haven't even announced a revival. I know, but I want to put it out there well in advance. You want to add additional sequences that take into account the last 20 years of black history? Totally fine. Actually, that sounds like an amazing idea. It makes total sense. But leave the opening alone. I just want to hear the laser-like keyboards. so haunting and moving is how it crystallizes the horror of its topic so efficiently. Ducanet doesn't describe the arrival of the ships or the image of people being packed into those ships. She simply recites the names of every ship that appears. The Phoenix, the Orion, the Medusa, the Othello, Enterprise, Emmanuel, Cornelia, Hope, Hannibal, Constitution, Vigilante, Gideon, Cleopatra, the list goes on and on and on and on, conjuring this battalion of identical vessels that extends out to the horizon. Over time, Ducanet becomes increasingly enraged, and as her anger intensifies, so too does the tempo of the tap we hear on the recording. It's really quite brilliant, simple, yet totally self-assured. It's assumed that if we hear the names of these ships, it will lead us to think about everything that comes with them. And that's exactly what happened in my experience. The creators showed me a path, and I walked along it like clockwork. Absolutely brilliant.
audio you just heard was from a track known as The Panhandlers. Now, I haven't mentioned it yet, but the OBC album was recorded in front of a live audience, and I could not get enough of hearing their joyful reactions to the show. Most theater audiences clap politely right at the end of a given number because they know they're expected to do so. But you can hear this crowd, on this track especially, spontaneously gasping and laughing out of sheer delight. What a wonderful thing to have documented, especially if you were involved in that show, to hear that audience so organically, or it's just life. They are expressing life, the joy that theater is giving to them in that moment. It's on... It's on a recording for all time. My oh, I, It's warm in this studio, but I also feel like my face getting flushed because it really just makes me so happy. I Making an audience gasp? I, I can't even imagine. I've never done anything like that. What a, what a wonderful thing to be able to give to somebody and for them to give back to you. What an exchange. Oh, I, 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 could, I could rant about it forever. It's, it's wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so happy that I was able to, uh, the fact that this podcast is something that I do every week and that I'm able to talk about shows and listen to moments like this, it's a gift. And I'm really uh, just very grateful for it. And I'm, my eyes are closed and my fingertips are like against the, my, the, my temple, <laughs> the side of my head. And I'm just, Benny must think I look like an absolute madman. But man, what, just fantastic. Okay. Let's talk about another song, another sequence known as The Lynching Blues. For each of the following offenses, one person was put to death. Slapping boy, robbing store, brushing against a girl on the street, defending her son who in defense of mother killed a man, fatally wounding man with whom he had quarreled, speaking out against a mob in the act of putting a man to death. That's the 1960. Now, Noise could have easily been the type of review with nothing on its mind. The sort of show that features a black cast, acknowledges black culture, black roots, but never said much about the tougher, uglier side of the black experience. That's certainly, I hope I'm not being too hard on the show, but that's certainly what Bubbling Brown Sugar did back in the 1970s. That show acted as if racism was little more than a minor irritation, something to sort of skirt around awkwardly, whereas Noise is not afraid to offer up the damning evidence that says otherwise. During this particular sequence, Ducanet cranks out the 1916 50 Negroes lynching blues, while another cast member details a series of offenses that resulted in black men being put to death. Minor offenses, actions that most people would not consider to be offenses, Uh, When paired with a later sequence known as the Chicago Riot Rag, which we're about to talk about in just a second, it becomes a justifiably bitter, sorrowful indictment of a nation, that being America, that has never prioritized the value of black lives. Let's hear a bit of the Chicago Riot Rag now. The rioting spread through the Black Belt and by midnight had thrown the entire South Side into a state of turmoil.
and 29th and State Streets after he tried to rescue a fellow cop from a crowd of howling Negroes. Several shots were fired in his direction and he was wounded in the left arm. He pulled his revolver and fired four times into this gathering. Three colored men dropped. Briggs bottles, buckshot! You better run, you black! Killed that boy over! No room in jail! Jelly roll wailing over policemen, sirens, choir crying! Run, mama! Bloodstained cunt cracks! Take cover! I ain't colored! I'm your knees! Minor rioting continued through the night all over the south side. Negroes who were found in the streetcars were ordered off the cars by white men. If they refused, the trolley was jerked off the wires. The Negroes then dragged into the street and beat. Attenberg, Alex, colored, address not known. Shot through heart and killed at 31st and Wabash Avenue. Capel, Eugene, White, set upon by five Negroes and stabbed. The Chicago Defender invites all to come north. Baker, Henry, colored, kneeling in front of window, reading evening prayers. Shot through eye by Negroes in automobile. Plenty of room for the good, sober, industrious man. Plenty work. Anywhere in God's country is far better than the Southland. Unidentified white man killed at 43rd and State. Unidentified man colored shot at 37th and State. Unidentified man white stabbed over heart. Unidentified man doing rioting at 39th and Wallace Streets ran into arms of policeman. Died in officers' arms. Don't let the crackers fool you. Come join the ranks up north. First and foremost, let's get some background. Actually, before I say that, I in my notes I have, you know, a nation that that has never prioritized the value of black lives. That that's a blanket statement. It's not like we haven't had, you know, leaders and individuals and community organizers and protesters and people who have fought for black lives, of course. Of course we have those people in our record books who are living today fighting for that. I would just say that, in general, this nation has had an enormous problem since its inception up to this very day of valuing black lives accordingly, making them equally valuable to everyone else. And that's what Black Lives Matters. That That is what that organization, that movement, has tried so hard to point out to people. And people willfully misread the message, the intentions of Black Black Lives Matter, and it's infuriating and exhausting, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'll just, I wanted to put that out there, wanted to make that real clear. Mm. I live in America. <laughs> For those who don't live in America and listen to the show, I live in America, and I am very consistently ashamed of the country and what we do, <laughs> what, what our actions as a whole. Again, blanket statements, but oh, the, the blanket that gets cast, the shadow that we have to sit in, that fucking blanket that, you know blocks out the sun. It's really fucking infuriating, and people should be angry every single goddamn day. We're talking about two shows this week. Benny, I mean, between this and Allegiance, these are two very prescient, relevant shows that should make anyone who engages with them angry about the current state of things. Oh, boy. Okay, so, first and foremost, regarding the Chicago riot rag, let's get some background regarding the events that it depicts. So, this sequence depicts... The Chicago Race Riot of 1919, which began on July 27th and ended on August 3rd, it resulted in the deaths of 38 people, 23 of whom were black, and over 500 
injuries throughout the city. This wasn't an isolated incident, by the way. Throughout what was known as the Red Summer of 1919, which actually lasted for about a year, hundreds of black people were killed during a series of 25 attacks that were spearheaded by white supremacist domestic terrorists. I wanted to make sure we had that context moving forward as the show once again inspired me to take a closer look at history. I'm sure it did that for many, many people, which is amazing. When Ducanet coolly delivers reports on howling Negroes, you would have heard this in the audio we dropped in, when she talks about howling Negroes attacking cops and black men being dragged from a trolley car and beaten in the street, it fills me with dread, which makes sense. And when Ducanet encourages black people to move north, she sort of, it's a callback to an earlier sequence that we haven't described, but there's an earlier sequence in which Ducanet plays a separate character, and this character is sort of calling out to black people of the South, encouraging them to move north for work, opportunity, better lives. And when we call back to that during the Chicago riot rag, we are also hearing her castmate list the number of unnamed black men who died during the riot. And that filled me with complete despair. We have not graduated from the days of black men and women being killed for the crime of existing, for their existence inspiring suspicion and rage and violence. And if you disagree, I could not be more serious when I say you have no business listening to the show. So stop listening. Thanks. I simply can't stand the idea of a listener who isn't affected by what has happened and what is happening in this country. So yeah, thank you for allowing me to say that. The Uncle Huckabuck Blues is one part of a longer, bigger sequence that follows a young dancer who is referred to as The Kid as he searches for a venue worthy of his dance skills, his talents. Time and time again, he is rejected or disgusted by the people he encounters, including a group of performers who are all too willing to debase and stereotype themselves on camera for the sake of a paycheck. The comedy here is starkly pessimistic, and I'm all about it, especially when a Shirley Temple sound-alike appears to pull on the shirt sleeves of her black co-star in this film that's being made. It's hilariously annoying and convinced me I never need to watch a Shirley Temple movie as long as I live. No thanks, Miss Temple. And then we have Kid Go, which is, again, part of that larger sequence about the character who is referred to as the kid. Suddenly the kid was surrounded by splashes of sepia talent. Singers, dancers, actors, all cast in the biggest roles of their lives. Obscurity. 
One face caught his eyes, blood-stained butt dangling from a luscious lip, sipping a drip of dense, ghoulish smoke. The sweet smell of gardenia gushed from her sunken eyelids as her voice floated through the stale, dank air. That is some grade-A, fantastic, noir material, if I do say. Really, really good. Love it. Love chewing on all the, the, the blood-stained butt, the cigarette butt dangling. Well, it's, just, it's just referred to as the butt. Blood-stained butt. Love it. Okay, so let's move on to Green, Chaney, Buster, and Slide. Hoofing and rhythm tap is like music. You know what I'm saying? If you can do an eight-bar phrase with your feet and another person, not a dancer, can understand like what you just did, you hit. You know what I'm saying? You expressed yourself. You made a statement. See, hoofing is dancing from your waist down. You know what I'm saying? People think tap dancing is all like arms and legs and all this big old smile. Nah, it's raw and it's real and it's rhythm. It's us and it's ours. Jimmy Slide, all right, Jimmy Slide, along with like Chaney and Chuck, all those other guys, they was like holding it down. You know what I'm saying? As far as like hoofing, as far as like hoofing, like hoofing, 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 hoofing. I'm more like Chaney. I'm more like on the Chaney side. I like to hit like loud and strong and hit. Chaney was like a monster. He hit the floor until he just out of breath. So this sequence is nearly six minutes long, and I could have easily sat with it for another ten. It involves show creator Zane Mark explaining how his style, his tap dance style, has been influenced by icons Chuck Green, Lon Chaney, James Buster Brown, and Jimmy Slide. I could not get enough of this, not only because the reflective commentary combined with the sound of tap had a sort of ASMR-like effect on me. It really, I really got into the rhythm of it, and it just sort of lulled me into this very comforting, content place. I, I also enjoyed it because Mark expects us to keep up with him. He's not generalizing or dumbing down his thoughts on the form for audiences. He's assuming we're all on the same page, which is awesome. There's no way this show didn't inspire hundreds of kids to get into dance, a fact that makes me so happy. This confessional style reappears toward the end of the show with another sequence, which is known as Conversation Slash Trade and Hits. Let's get a bit of that now. My favorite thing about being black is that, you know what I'm saying, everywhere you go, Somebody looking at you. I'm not a lost cause because, one, my mother. Two, you know, tap, dancing, and... Oh, that's really because of my mom and dad looking out for me, always being there. Uh, I didn't give up yet. I'm not trying to. A lot of striving, hard times. Mm, trying not to let nothing get me down. The most important thing I do is be with my family and music. Because those are two things I love very dearly. I, a lot of people that you know I looked up to when I was younger wanted to be like you know now they dead or in jail or you know what I mean crackheads or you know that's that's I didn't want that with my life you know, I wanted more tap tap sort of like saved me I like I, I could be you know just mad as I don't know what and then I could start dancing and it'll just it just it lightens my spirit musicality is like a universal thing for me it 
allows me to free myself as an artist. Like sometimes when I play drums, I'll be mad. Or sometimes when I play, I feel like chills, you know? It's kind of, you know, like a stress reliever, a cigarette, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? I got the habit. <laughs> I'm addicted. There you go. Fantastic. Thank you, Benny. And we are going to end our deconstruction of the show's score by playing the entire track. This track is known as Hidden. We're going to play it in its entirety because it's fun as hell. And again, I say to you, why not? We can do whatever we want. There's no such thing as copyright infringement laws. Oh my God. I really hope this podcast isn't shut down. Okay, Benny, let's play that track in its entirety. Oh God, what are we doing? Come on. Come on. You call that hidden kick? It's so fucking fun. Fantastic. All right. So that's our deconstruction of the score. And now we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Oh, oh uh, Betty, do me a favor. Go on for me. I have to do this ad for 5678 Coffee. Oh, thank you so much, Betty. Oh, could you do me a favor? Hand me those vitamins. Oh, and hand me, hand me those lotions and creams and preservatives. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, could you hand me my oxygen box? You know, the box that's made out of glass and fills up with uh, f- smoggy folk, f- f- smoky fog, and I put my face in it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Betty. Oh, thank you. All right, so where's the microphone? Oh, here it is. Okay, so you'll have to excuse me. I'm quite sick. Hello, this is Adelaide from Guys and Dolls. I just want to talk to you about 5678 Coffee. Uh, you know, life can be very disappointing, you know. Sometimes you imagine yourself as being a big star on on the Hollywood stages of life, and, and then you find yourself in some sort of rat hole hot box dressed up as a cat trying to drink from a bottle of fake milk there's no milk inside of it so you know what you know what you think to yourself well at least I have a, a person in my life that I can love and sometimes that person disappoints you sometimes the man in your life or perhaps if you're with a woman this is supposed to be a general message but in my experience when you're with a man who just can't get his shit together he just can't to get his shit together. Uh, 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 uh.
Oh, please excuse me. Oh, dear God. And, you know, <laughs> professionally, you're not happy. And personally, you're not happy. So you have to find something that gives you comfort. Some people turn to booze. Some people turn to drugs. But me, I turn to caffeine. And that's why I drink five, six, seven, eight coffee. It gets me through the day inch by inch, second by second. And that's if I didn't have it. I don't even know what I would do. I would I would probably go is what I would do. Oh, so five, six, seven, eight coffee, you can count on it, you know, as opposed to the man in your life. Oh, Nathan, I'm gonna murder you. Cut that part out. I don't want anyone to know that I'm planning on murdering Nathan, which I am. <laughs> Oh, oh, there's actual phlegm in my mouth as I say this. This is not a bit. There's real phlegm in my mouth. Okay, I'm done. I need to put my head in the oxygen box. Ay, ay, ay. Final thoughts on Bring In the Noise, Bring In the Funk. I've had the Noise cast album in my collection for years, maybe more than 10, and yet I had never taken the time to sit down with it. It merely sat there, collecting digital dust, and if you had asked me about it, I would have said, oh, bring into Noise, bring into Funk. Yeah, yeah, I have that album. I'm aware of that show's existence. But just last week, I genuinely confused it for Stomp. Stomp, of all things. This is a travesty. And I'm grateful to have learned that not only is Noise a show I shouldn't have slept on. It's one of the best shows to ever make it to Broadway. I came to that conclusion after listening to the first few tracks, and that enthusiasm never waned on the road to its finale. I'm also grateful for Noise because it reminded me that I am, in fact, a fan of tap. Now, you would think otherwise, since I've turned my nose up at tap sequences in musicals from past subjects. But what I was actually rejecting, I think, was the characterization of tap as a silly novelty. Most of the time, when you see tap on Broadway nowadays, it's being employed ironically by shows that consider themselves to be too cool for school. Looking at you, spam a lot. Looking at you, the Book of Mormon. Musicals are stupid and dumb. People tap dance in musicals. So stupid and dumb. We all know this. That's why this ensemble of professional tap dancers is so funny, right? And also kind of gay. We're also implying the tap is gay and musicals are gay. And we should all be ashamed of ourselves for wanting to watch a silly musical. Musicals are so silly. This kind of shit, this style of humor, never works for me. It's lame. Tap is one of the most... I can't believe I have to say this. One of the most difficult, physically strenuous, and creatively rewarding forms of dance we have, and we shouldn't let lazy writers or show creators utilize it as a way to pad out their crummy shows. If you're going to have your dancers tap, respect the work or fuck off. So in 1996, Rent was the winner of the Tony Award for the, you know, the best musical. We decided it was the best musical that year. And the other nominees were Chronicle of a Death Foretold, of course, and Swingin' on a Star. What a wonderful show that was. I in no way was driven fucking nuts by Swingin' on a Star piece of shit show. Noise should have won the Tony Award for Best Musical over Rent, full stop, End of sentence. Hear ye, hear ye. This is Moses talking. Everyone else shut up. Noise is bigger than rent. It's bolder, more creative, and technically proficient, more awe-inspiring, and much, much more capable of tackling systemic societal issues than the gawkier and less focused rent. 
I say this as a general fan of Rent. You've heard my episode on Rent. Jonathan Larson's show caught a cultural wave it has managed to ride for decades. But now it's time to face facts and admit Noise was by far the best show of the 96 season. Get it back on Broadway as soon as fucking possible. I'm serious about this because its energy is needed and its commentary is more prescient than ever. You listening, Broadway producers? Hello, this is the musical man talking. Pick up that phone, pick up that phone, get to work. Now let's rank the show. Now I made a lot of changes in the general ranking of all of the shows we've covered in the past. So I'm going to go, I, I haven't done this in a while, but we're going to start at the top and work our way through the entire list of subjects. And you're going to find out where Bring into Noise falls. But if you've been keeping track of this via our Google Sheet, which you can access via the pinned tweet on Twitter, that's at Musical Man Pod, you'll notice that there have been a lot of changes, a lot, big, big shakeup this week, big shakeup. So let's start at number one. Number one, a chorus line. Number two, Caroline or Change. Number three, Into the Woods. Number four, Sweeney Todd. Number five, Passing Strange. Number six, Man of La Mancha. And then at number seven, coming in right now this week, Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk. We have Guys and Dolls at number eight, which I believe was number three. So a kind of a big dip for Guys and Dolls. I just sort of uh, shook everything up and that's where it all landed. We have nine, uh, The Producers. Ten, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Eleven, Kiss Me Kate. Twelve, Natasha, Pierre, and The Great Comet of 1812. Thirteen, Rent. Fourteen, Woman of the Year. Fifteen, Juan Darien, A Carnival Mass. Sixteen, The Lion King. Seventeen, Grind. Eighteen, Sugar. Nineteen, South Pacific. Twenty, Bubbling Brown Sugar. Twenty-one, Shrek the Musical. Twenty-two, Big River. Twenty-three, School of Rock. Twenty-four, The Goodbye Girl. Twenty-five, Swinging on a Star. Twenty-six, Avenue Q. And at number twenty-seven, Miss Saigon. And then there are, of course, for new listeners, the shows uh, that we were not able to rank because there were not nearly enough research sources materials that we could analyze or deconstruct. So we put them into what is known as the Phantom Zone. Those shows are Big Deal, James Joyce's The Dead, Quilters, and last week's subject, Merlin. Now let's talk about show-related ephemera. I found something very fun. This is known as NBA Grooves, a music video tour of the NBA. I wrote down NBC, so that tells you how clued in I am. In regards to professional basketball. So, NBA Groove is a music video tour of the NBA with Mitch Richmond, who I confirmed played for. This is the first and only time, probably, that you'll ever hear sports facts on the show. But Mitch Richmond played for the Golden State Warriors, Sacramento Kings, Washington Wizards, and LA Lakers. And the video was also hosted by Tim Hardaway, who played for the Golden State Warriors, Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, Denver Nuggets, Indiana Pacers, and the Florida Pitbulls. Now, you're going to get a clip here in a second. Uh, let's get the clip first. They, they have some interplay, Mitch and Tim. Very awkward. Clearly not used to being in front of the camera and doing dialogue, which is perfectly fine. I love how stiff it is. I just want to get this exchange. Let's drop that here. Oh, man. This is what I'm talking about, Tim. You know, we got the beach. South Beach. This is sweet, man. You got nice restaurants, nice beach, nice, man, everything. But check this out. Sack boys don't get too excited now. Y'all down there in Sacramento. Y'all only get down here once a year. If you want to come back again, you got to make it to the NBA Finals just like we do. And you can stay three or four days and enjoy this weather. 
But until then, you hey, know. Hey, man, I really appreciate that. Man, I'm just really trying to bring your head back down yeah. to reality. Well, baby. whatever. Hey, this is Mitch Richmond and Tim Hardaway. We're down here in South Beach. We're going to be hosting this new NBA video called NBA Grooves. We're also going to be showing some nice music videos like Aaliyah, Blackstreet, Jodeci. And by the way, what kind of music you like? Man, I like all type of music. I like jazz, rap, R&B. All that stuff. Really? Yeah. Well, enough of that. Wonderful exchange. I don't care how awkward the delivery is. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. They probably did it in one take. I just love it. Mitch says, and by the way, what kind of music do you like? And Tim says, man, I like all types of music. I like jazz, rap, R&B, all that stuff. Mitch says, really? And Tim says, yeah. And then Mitch says, well, enough of that. <laughs> they have they have this, like, bigger guy, littler guy quality. Like, Mitch is – I think he says twice during their opening segment, like, stop talking. <laughs> Enough out of you, even though I prompted you with my own questioning. I'm 100% convinced also that Mitch Richmond is saying bring in DeNoise, bring in DeFrunk. So this is a music video compilation. They take audio from the cast recording of Bring in DeNoise. They set it to footage of cast members tap dancing, but also they intercut that with NBA players on the court. On the court. I'm very familiar with all of the terminology. But when they introduce this music video, I'm convinced Mitch Richmond says, and you'll be able to judge here in a second when Benny drops this in, but he says, I'm sure, bring in DeNoise, bring in DeFrunk. Let's hear it. This first video is going to be by bringing a noise, bringing a frunk. This first video is going to be by bringing a noise, bringing a frunk. Bringing a noise, bringing a frunk. He says frunk. I'm convinced. This is the second week in a row when I've poked fun at someone, essentially, for their delivery of copy. And I know that it's not... <laughs> I just love that someone probably heard that. No, there's no way someone didn't hear and notice that. But no one wanted to do another take. It's funk, not frunk. Ah, forget it. <laughs> We're, they, they have 20 minutes to do this. We need to bang this out now. So that was our show-related ephemera. And now, to determine which show we discuss next, we will need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the Random Number Generator. I named, after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show, Austin Powers' The Horny Musical, baby. Yeah. Everybody ready? Then away we go. All right, listeners, we have stepped off of the musical carousel, and it is the year 1990, and our subject is a show that ran for 879 performances. It won the Tony Award for Best Musical in 1990, and that show is... City of Angels. That's right. I'm a fan of City of Angels. This will be great. I've been wanting to revisit it for some time, so I'm excited to tackle that next week. But first, we have to we have to end this recording, and then we have to do the Allegiance recording, right, Benny? So let's wrap up this show. If you want to support the show, The Musical Man, the podcast that you're listening to, why not go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod and donate to the show on a monthly basis. You can give one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you give one dollar a month or more, you will get a weekly verbal shout-out. Let's do that now! Thank you so much to Jordan, Ashley, Chris JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. If you give a dollar or more a month, you also get special episodes dedicated to the 73rd Annual Tony Awards. We get a little bit of coverage via that special episode, and we also get a special bonus episode covering the first trailer for the Cats film adaptation. Now, if you give $3 or more, the phrase or more really should have been in this 
this little pitch of mine from the get-go. So no matter what, you're, if you go up a tier, you get everything in the tier below it as well as the tier you are currently in. I can't believe I said that as succinctly and articulately as I as as I did. And now, now I'm falling apart. So if you give $3 or more, not only are you getting the verbal shout-outs and those special episodes I just mentioned, you're going to get a musical shout-out in the style of a character or composer that you choose. You will reach out to me. I will reach out to you. You will reach out to me. We'll go back and forth. We'll figure out what that character or composer is going to be, and you're going to hear that musical shout-out. Now, if you give $5 a month or more, you get everything I've just described already, but you also get the one-time opportunity to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast. You get to tell me what to do. You get to boss me around. And you will also get access to 12 episodes, the first season of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera in which he fields questions from the villains of the musical theater canon. And if you give $10 a month, you get everything I've just described, plus access to the Snub Club, a special monthly series, full-length episodes, dedicated to Broadway musicals that were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical, As I said, this month's uh, subject is going to be Allegiance, and at the end of that episode, we are going to reveal what the monthly subject, what the subject is going to be for September. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. If you can't give much, give a dollar. If everybody who listened gave a dollar, we would almost immediately, within seconds, we would achieve our stretch goal. We have a stretch goal in place. $100 or more in total monthly donations will result in my producing M3, the movie Movie Musical Man, a monthly series for which I would watch trilogies of musicals that are tied together by a common theme. Now, where do you, where does your money go? You might be asking. So donations go toward the purchase of cast recordings I don't already own, as in the cast recording for Allegiance is a great example. I bought that this week, so thank you very much to those who donate. Renting movie adaptations of musicals, offsetting Podbean hosting costs. So your money goes to very practical show-supporting enterprises, uh, sources. So there you go. Uh, If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, hey, why not write a five-star review? If we ever get to the point where we have 30 written five-star reviews, I will record a special episode about the Disney Descendants trilogy. You can stream the show on musicalmanpod.podbean.com or Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod. Email us at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. I got a hot take here from Jenna who says, my hot take is that I think passion is a boring Sondheim musical agreed, and that Beauty and the Beast should have won Best Musical in 1994. Now, that's fascinating. I don't know if I have a strong opinion in regards to that hot take just yet. We're going to have to really dip into the season properly before I can figure out if I agree with that particular statement. Also, I think Newsies, this is Jenna again, also, I think Newsies should have won Best Musical in 2012 over Once. I think Once is kind of boring. Now, I haven't sat down with Once properly in full, but I have a feeling you're probably right on the too. So there you go. Well, I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to dip into 2012-1994. We have over 200 shows left to talk about. So we go. We have so much ground to cover. Thank you very much to our engineer Benny. Thank you, Alex Green, for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our wonderful music. And that's that doorbell. Oh, you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time. Specifically on the next episode of the musical man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and good night.
enough of that. 